Heavenly Father, thank you for the birth of your Son. Would you teach us what that truly means? Would it guide us into your heart knowing this truth? Who is this child? What does it mean for us? How are we to live? What are we to do? As we open up the Gospel of Matthew, would you teach us, reveal your heart to us for your glory and for our joy? Amen. Jesus. Who is Jesus? By opening up the book of Matthew, we hope that we can get a glimpse of who he is. Some people love him. Some people don't know him. Some people hate him. There's a poster of the Northern Collective that's all around town. and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a, it's a picture of a crown of thorns. And it says, King Jesus is alive. I saw one of the posters downtown today and someone had either with a knife or their finger or their teeth <laughs> scratched out is alive. So maybe this person didn't have such good notions of who Jesus is. Who is this kid? What child is this? So in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to learn what child is this and what it means for each of us. We're in verse 18. We're reading to verse 25. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until she, her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So this is the scene. You're, you're kind of taking a bird's eye view of this woman Mary and her... She's engaged to a man named Joseph. And this interaction that they're having. And so Joseph, he, he's betrothed to be married to this woman. So during this culture, it was kind of standard practice to have um, arranged marriages. And I, I know some people in the church try to do that with their little kids, you know. But you're not really saying it. You're just getting them to hang out. Hopefully they fall in love with each other. But this is what the practice was. It's likely that Joseph and Mary were were engaged to be married through their parents' mutual agreement. They were betrothed to be married. And it's typical that the man would, would be um, arranged to be marrying a, a younger woman. So this is the scene. There's Joseph and there's Mary. And then Joseph finds out Mary is pregnant. And they have not had sex yet. 
Now, if you're a husband, if you're a boyfriend, you think you hear that, you're like, oh, that is impossible. What are you to do? What are you to do? What kind of emotions are, are filling your heart? You're angry? Are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? What do you do? This is what Joseph does. He finds out that she's pregnant. But, it says in verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He didn't put her on public display. He didn't post something on Twitter, Facebook, that obviously didn't exist 2,000 years ago. He didn't make a scene. He resolved to do it quietly so that his, his future wife would not be embarrassed. And he resolved to divorce her. But that plan changed when an angel showed up. It says in verse 20, As he concerted to do this, to divorce her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have your son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If you've been in the church any amount of time, you've heard the story, but maybe it's lost its wonder. You think, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Be there. An angel shows up and says, your wife is going to have a child that the Holy Spirit is going to help conceive. Why did this happen? It was to fulfill a plan that God had started. God created a good world that rebelled against Him continually, generation after generation. That rebellion against God put a curse on us. The first human to rebel against God cursed us. If you are infected with a blood disease and you're a woman and you have a child, your child will have that curse. We are inheritance of this curse we call sin. And it's separated us from a perfect, loving God. But God put a rescue plan into play to save us from that plight, to save us from our sin. And generations before this event happened, it was written down that this was going to happen. Verse 23. Actually, we'll go to verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. This is the, pro- this is the prophecy. This is saying this is going to happen. This is the prophecy. Verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was not a prediction. This was something that was said generations earlier by someone saying, this is going to happen because God speaks through prophets. In verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph wanted to break the engagement. But, when the angel showed up, he did what the angel commanded. 
he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. And he cared enough to adopt Jesus, who was not his biological son. Joseph adopted Jesus. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Joseph is the one who named him. We get that in verse 25. And Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph named him Jesus. In this culture, in this generation, at this time, it was the responsibility of the man to name the child. It was the responsibility of the father, of the husband, to name the child. Who named Jesus? Joseph did. So right away, that's a symbol of, I will be your dad. Joseph adopted Jesus. This was all part of God's plan. Joseph adopted Jesus, became his father. And this is confirmed through different accounts in the Bible, in the New Testament. The first account that Joseph was truly Jesus' father, adopted father, Mary viewed Joseph as Jesus' father. There's a story when Jesus was 12 years old, Joseph and Mary and Jesus, they went to a place called um, Jerusalem to celebrate a special celebration called the Passover. But when they went to travel back home and Jesus was 12 years old, they couldn't find him. And Mary and Joseph realized Jesus was not with them. And if you ever lost a kid, you can't explain that feeling, but it sucks. I, I lost Emerald. She, we found her now. <laughs> We're in Disneyland. I lost her for 15 minutes in Disneyland. And I can't even explain the horror and the sadness that I was going through. I can't imagine children who've gone missing for X number of days. It's, Jesus was lost. They went to the celebration where they're going back home. They couldn't find him. So they rushed back to Jerusalem, finding Jesus, talking with the teachers of the temple. And this other writer in the Bible, his name's Luke, he writes this in chapter 2, verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. I should have said that to Emerald when I lost her. Behold, your mother and I have been searching for you, Emerald. We are in great distress. She was one and a half, so she wouldn't have understood. Luke identified both Mary and Joseph as Jesus' parents. Right away it says, And when his parents saw him, emphasis is mine, Mary spoke to him. And Mary calls Joseph Jesus' father. That's the first thing. Mary said that Jesus, Joseph is Jesus' adopted father. Second thing, other people call Jesus the son of Joseph. We get that from another book in the Bible. It's called John chapter 1, verse 45. We have found him on whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So John recognized Jesus as his son. He writes again in chapter 6, verse 41 to 42, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Mary 
said that Joseph was Jesus' dad. Others acknowledged that Joseph was Jesus' father. We have this theme of adoption right from the beginning of Jesus' life, running throughout the New Testament. So the New Testament is the second part of the Bible when Jesus shows up under the scene. The Old Testament is prior to the God in the flesh, Jesus. We have this theme of adoption. Joseph adopts Jesus, and we learn later in the New Testament that Jesus adopts us into his family. What child is this? He is the one who adopts us as part of his own family. He is the one who adopts us as part of his own family. There's a writer in the Bible named Paul, and he writes that Jesus would grow from the baby in the manger to the God that was willing not only to die for the rescue of all creation, but also to adopt men and women from their slavery to sin and death and Satan and hell. And I've said a lot there, and if you're new to church, you probably never heard those words before or don't quite understand our dilemma. Sin is our biggest dilemma. It's not our self-esteem. It's not our bank account. It is the fact that we have rebelled against a perfect God and that sin holds us under God's just and good judgment. We will all be judged for what we have done and that judgment will not go well. If you've sinned once, you've broken the whole law, the Bible says. But it's not the things that we do. It's that we're born with the curse. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we could do. We are sins. We are slavery to our sin. And sin leads to death. And we will all die. And the Bible says you don't just disappear. That you will go into eternity to be with the Savior Jesus Christ if you put your faith in Him or you will be in an everlasting conscious punishment in hell. There is no middle ground. This is our dilemma. But, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption, adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What child is this? He is the one who makes adoption to his family possible. And adoption leads to our Salvation. Salvation means complete rescue from our sin. The presence of sin, the power of sin, and the penalty of sin. We will be rescued from our sin. Paul goes on to write about the adoption into God's family in his letter to the Ephesian church. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. God the Father predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Let me read that again. Ephesians chapter 1, 
verse 5. God the Father predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That is saying that before the foundations of the earth, God chose you to be adopted as sons and daughters at the cost of his own son. What child is this? He is the one who enables adoption into God's family to take place. Joseph humbly adopted Jesus. And these are the truths and responsibilities of the one we celebrate, who was born in a manger. So he could die on a cross, leading to resurrection and the defeat of sin and death. Resurrection means you will not taste death if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You'll be alive again because Jesus conquered the grave. He was not held in death 2,000 years ago. He was resurrected alive three days later after being crucified, brutally murdered. He resurrected. And he, in his death, paid for all of our sin. And by faith in what he has done, by belief in that, trust in that alone, we too will be resurrected. This is the child. This is the Savior. This is Jesus. So the ultimate answer to this question, what child is this? Who is this kid? He is Jesus. He is the adopting God who calls us sons and daughters. He enables us to be part of God's eternal family. He says, come home to me. I've made a room for you in my home. I have set a place for you at my table. Come home, my son. Come home, my daughter. Where are you going? Where would you go? The feast is here. Come home. Our slavery is to our self, to our sin. It is against God. He's saying, come home. There's room for you. There's a place at the table for you. Believe in my son. How should this change our lives? I want to give us two applications. Two. The first one is this. This news, this good news we call the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. This is good news for every man, woman, and child. doesn't matter your race, your generation, your, your income. It is the good news for all of us. It should bring us comfort. It should comfort your heart, your mind, and your soul. Knowing that Jesus paid the adoption price. You could never pay the adoption price. We could never pay it. But Jesus did. What I read earlier from Ephesians verse 1, chapter 5, God the Father predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. One of my favorite preachers, John Piper, I mentioned this last week, but I'm going to say the, the quote in full today. He's, he's writing about Ephesians 1, chapter 5, and John Piper said this, if you've never seen him, maybe look him up on YouTube and look up this exact time he says this. He's, he's this older man, his hair is gray, but he's got the energy of this like 
15-year-old kid. And he's like in the pulpit. And he's just so passionate about God. John Piper. John Piper. And he says this. God in eternity looked upon me for seeing my faultiness, my pride, my sin, and said, I want that man in my family. I will pay for him to be in my family with my son's life. That's love, folks. This is John Piper saying this. He says, that's love, folks. That is mega, off-the-charts love. This child is God with us, Emmanuel. God is with us. He is with us today, and he's with us forever. And that's a promise. That's a promise when you don't feel like it. When your life is in shambles and your family is breaking apart and your kids are crazy and you're stressed out during this time. Christmas is like waking up too early and there's just noise and lights and shakers and people smelling like eggnog. (laughs) That's what it, for some, that's what Christmas is. Or it's just another day. But we do celebrate it as the birth of Christ. It is a day to celebrate. It's also my mother-in-law's birthday. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) So the first one is comfort, that we should be comforted knowing that God is with us. The second application is this. Consider adopting or fostering. Consider adopting or fostering. And before you go off in your mind thinking... No, not me. Just just listen to what I have to say here. Consider adopting or fostering. I called adoption services a few days ago. They said they're not really looking for people to adopt right now. They're not actively recruiting, so they directed me to foster care. And I was speaking to the people at foster care. And there's children who need homes. And the way this came about is, is through reading Joseph's story. He adopted, he adopted Jesus. Jesus adopted us. And we should welcome others into our family. That's a simple formula. But I was thinking about this. I was, I was watching this documentary on people who were against abortion in the States. And hear me out now. Northern Collective is anti-abortion. It is murder. It is, life is conceived at the moment of conception because God has designed it that way. Okay? So when when babies are murdered, murdered, before they're out of the womb, this is happening all over the world. So this was happening in the States. I was watching this documentary. There's this guy in this wheelchair, or his crutches, and he's just standing outside of uh, an abortion clinic and there's people going in there to uh, get consultation or maybe to get an abortion. And he just said, listen, don't do it. I have friends who are doctors and they can give you a second opinion. And I have a church that will take care of your child. Don't do it. And then I watched this young couple, the, the, the boyfriend turned around and, and got some contact information and, and he's like, okay, I'll go get my girlfriend, got his girlfriend. And then they left. And then that was the end of the scene. I thought, wow. That, that worked. But not only that, I thought, could our church say that? Could our, could our community say that? Say, listen, 
Don't kill your kid. We will take care of him or her. On average, 110 children are killed in the Yukon by abortion. 110. Let that sink. There's maybe 50 of you here right now on the podcast. There's over 5,000 in front of me. 110 babies are murdered every year. And I thought, hey, maybe I could be like that crutch guy and just show up at the hospital and be like, hey, listen, don't do it. I don't know where I'd go from there, but there was an intention. I thought, could my church say that? Could we get ready to say something like that as a people, as a community, say, don't do it. Our community will take care of the baby. Our community will take care of the baby. So consider fostering or adopting. And I'm going to get into a little bit of foster care that you would prayerfully consider this option. So I'm going to talk about it right now. So foster care, what is it? Fostering, you're caring for children who cannot live with their families. The goal, though, is for the children to return home when their parents are able to care safely for them. So who can do this? Anyone 19 years or older who wants to share their home with their child or youth in need can apply. You obviously have to go through some training and some vetting and some consultation, but anyone over 19. So it doesn't matter if you're renting, if you own a home, if you have a family, if you're single, if you're divorced, you can be a foster uh, foster home. So primarily it's about helping children return to their home or move to a new permanent home when needed. Foster families help maintain contact with their own family and culture while providing day-to-day care of one or more children. So Yukon Foster Care, they're recruiting new families right now. You can call 867-667-3002. We also have some pamphlets and some handouts in the back on that table. Uh, We've been working with foster um, care system, whatever you want to call it, and they've given us stuff that you can look at Please look at it. There's many in foster care in our community. 79% of them are indigenous in the Yukon. And in terms of abortions, since the 1970s, there's been over 5,800 in the Yukon. So what types of foster care are available? It's not just full-time care, which there is. I'm just going to go over five different types of homes that you may consider. There's the general home, that these homes are available to accept any child who requires a foster placement and can act as an emergency or respite provider. Or there's kinship home. These are people who are related or have a very strong relationship with that particular child. Or there are restricted homes where there's a placement of a specific child. There's respite care. A short-term placement of a specific child or children in order to provide relief for another family. The respite may occur within the foster family home or in certain circumstances. There's emergency foster care homes. These are general foster homes that are experienced and or trained to receive children on a short-term basis. So how long do these last, these placements? There's emergency placement where it's 24 hours emergency kind of case-by-case situation, the short-term placement, a planned foster placement for a period of less than one year, there's long-term placement, 
care for children until they reach adulthood or until other transitions are set in place. Or there's respite placement. A planned short-term placement that provides occasional days or weekends or a few hours to support birth families or foster families whenever they need a break from caring for a child. Some of you parents are like, I need that. <laughs> I need that break. Um, Brent Ristow, he was a, a respite placement uh, home in Yellowknife. And he had an arrangement with the family where he would just take the children out uh, for several hours, maybe once or twice a week. And he had a good working relationship with that home, so maybe that's something for you. So there's training available if you want to do this. And there's also compensation for this. You won't be a millionaire being a foster parent. How do you become one? Educate yourself. Learn about it. Again, there's pamphlets in the back. Deciding to become a foster parent is a big commitment. Caitlin and I are just in the process of talking about this, so we don't have any foster children. We have three biological girls. But is this not the call of the gospel? That we would, we would push back the darkness by having communities of light in our homes, in our churches, that we would see children homed. So this is a big commitment. So think about it. Pray about it. Talk to your partner about it. If you're single, think through this. I'd like to conclude this by inviting my friend Owen to share. He and his family are foster parents in town. And I just asked him to share a little bit about his experience um, with being a foster parent. Okay. Yes, yes. Have you ever seen Owen show up in places? He's got, I don't know how many foster kids you have right now. 17. It is mayhem. It is mayhem. But, yeah, please share with us your experience and, uh, and how's it going. Yeah, this is Owen Holmes. I probably don't need a mic in here, I don't think. Um, so I just, uh, yeah... You need a mic. I need a mic. Should I take that? Oh, this is fancy. I've yeah. always wanted one of these. I feel like a Chinese uh, Hello? bus Hello? tour guide with a thing. Does that work? Is it good awesome. So, um, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I appreciate getting to come and just share some things with you guys. Um, I was just thinking, sitting in the back, uh, I heard this story just through this week. Uh, actually, I got to speak at uh, YBF this morning, so I was preparing, looking at um, you know, we're talking about the story of, of Jesus, and, and like you were saying, it's, it's an adoption story. And it's really cool, because I was looking through the Bible, and there's just tons and tons and tons of adoption stories. I mean, uh, Moses is an adoption story. And there's all these different areas where we can just see that God really cares about adoption, He cares about community, uh, He cares about family, and just over and over again, He talks about this. And so... Um, you know, and, I, and then I was listening to this little story, and it was a it was a it was a make believe story between God and Jesus, where um, God was talking to Jesus about coming down, um, about about incarnation, about him being him being born to this family, and so he's sitting there, and he's God's saying, you know, you know, Jesus, you, you're going to go down, and I, you know, I need you to go down to earth. Oh, great, okay, you know, am I going to be in the in the temple? Am I going to be no, actually, you're just going to be with this family. You're going to be a baby, and you're going to be with this family. 
and uh, you know, Dad's a carpenter. You know, they're simple. You know, and and he's starting to talk through uh, how this is going to be. And, and I'm thinking in my head also about you know when we look at Bethlehem and we see it, we know the whole story, so it looks like a story of celebration and it looks like a success. But in the midst of it, you know. Um, you know, Joseph was probably feeling like it was a mess because here's the Son of God and, uh, and are they prepared? No. You know, where did they end up? In a stable, in a manger? You know, and this whole story, it just looked like a mess. And, uh, and yet, it was God's plan. And, uh, and, and it's so wonderful when we, uh, when we accept um, doing the things that God has asked us to do. Uh, when, when we were first talking about this, I said, you know, when I look at fostering and adoption and these different things, is it, is it simple? Is it beautiful and it all works out and it's all wonderful? No, it's really, really hard. Um, but it's, it's the right thing. And when we, when we follow what God's commanding us, um, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's the right thing. I think that's what was really kind of resonating to share with me, uh, with you guys. Um, so I started going through today looking at some different verses about it, just continuing to go into the Bible and what it says about fostering, or adoption, about family. Um, and just, just quickly I pulled um, a couple of verses I wanted to share with you. Uh, James 1, 27, religion that our God the Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Um, you know, another one, Matthew 25, 40. Um, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. And I just start to go through these verses. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. You know, these are just important, significant verses where he just keeps resonating about... Uh, the care of children, the care of widows, uh, the community that we were, were supposed to be providing with each other. Um, Isaiah 1, 17, learn to do good, seek justice, uh, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphans, plead for the widow. You know, um, Psalm 68, 5 and 6, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows. There's just so many verses God sets the lonely in families. He leads out prisoners with singing. So he just he continues to talk about families, about about caring for children. You know, I think back to uh, when he's speaking and children are coming forward, and he's he's saying, "No, no, don't stop these kids. This is important." And uh, you know, a few years back, I actually had no younger siblings growing up. And I always just said, I'm not very good with kids. Like teenagers, good with teenagers, not very good with kids. And so, uh, you know, this was a stretch for me, but I was listening to a, a pastor speak about that verse where the kids came forward. And, and Jesus was speaking, and the kids were coming forward to, to be with him. And he was breaking down that why were the kids doing that? If I'm up here speaking, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a natural time that kids would want to come and flock it. And yet, they did to Jesus. There was something about Jesus that was welcoming to kids uh, and the significance of that. Um, and the speaker in the end was, uh, he was speaking to a men's retreat, talking to these men and saying, you know, uh, children, the importance of children 
Children should be drawn to you, something about you, when Christ is in you, when that light is in you, that they should be drawn to you. And, uh, and it was significant. It was a changing moment for me where I said, this, this needs to be a focus. I want to be a person that, that will look out after children, that will take care of children. And as I just went through today, just scripture after scripture, it just affirms for me that this is God's message to us. And, uh, and it's not about whether, you know, there's some wonderful parts of fostering. Um, you know, there's wonderful things about adoption, but there's messy things, there's complicated things, there's hard things. Uh, it's not about that. It's about, it's what's right. It's as, as a community, it's what uh, has been given to us to, to, to take care of children, to take them in, to take care of widows. That's the other thing that's important when we're talking about things like uh, abortion. You know, it's easy to say, you know, no, this isn't the right answer. It's more difficult to say, I'll support you, I'll stand behind you, um, uh, I will put uh, my money, my time, my, my efforts where my mouth is in this area. And, and as a church, I'm, I'm just so excited that um, that's something you guys are talking about and, and really looking at as a church is how do we do this? How do we come together? Everyone will have a different role to play and it might be in prayer. It might be in a respite, taking a, a child for a short term. Uh, it might be going down the longer road of adoption, but just to, to really open your heart to this and pray to God and to say to Him, give me the opportunity. Um, you know, we feel like the things that have happened, in, as, as we've just said, we open our door and we say, okay, God, what do you have? Um, we've seen that it's Him that's in control. That's the other thing we've recognized. In the, in the hard parts, we've really felt like it's him that's in control. It's hard to get afraid is what's going to happen and and just knowing that, that God is the one that's in control of this situation and uh, and it's all just a blessing from him. The good parts, the hard parts. Um, but as we look through scripture, we just know that, that God is about um, community. God is about family. God is about us supporting and holding each other up. And uh, and I just really believe that there's that is the intention uh, for us to be in family and community with each other, and for us to really just open our hearts up to how we can be a part of that. Cool, man. Thanks for sharing. Can uh, can I pray for you? That's, that's a fair thought. I actually have two daughters. Uh, so my one daughter came with me. My other daughter's at the library. Um, I'm, I have to be careful what I say, but I have also, I foster, and those kids are with my wife at the library. And because we'd been in church all morning, um, we were all planning on coming, and, and meltdowns were happening, and we just had to make a call of, like I said, it's messy sometimes. We wanted just to be able to come in, and I, I think that it might have been fairly disastrous for the kids and for them. So just out of looking at it, it was like we all wanted to come as a family because we want to do things as a family. We hate sort of having to 
In fact, my daughter said, we're not going to separate. We're sticking together. And I said, no, it's not going to work, honey. Today, me and you are just going to go on a little date over here to talk. And um, No, you know, I, uh, something that's important in our house has been um, that the, the kids that are with us, the kids that we're caring for, are as equally as important as our kids. But they have to have that importance, and so. I don't mean to be rude at all. That's okay. No, that's. For me, I see both sides of it, and I'm mm. saying both the impact of people later and how they talk about their experiences in foster care and the difference with um, just the pains that, regardless of what the situation is at home, just the fact that they're being taken away from their biological home. There's. So I just. There's no, 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 absolutely. You know what? And I, I grew up, I didn't even start by really introducing myself, which is probably a bit of a, I also grew up in a foster family and, uh, and, and have been involved with foster care since I was very young. And uh, part of the reason when we first talked, my response immediately was, I wouldn't come in and just say, foster care is awesome, foster care is great, we should all do it. I do think we should all do it. Um, but foster care is messy. Foster care is hard. Um, you know, I, I worked in group homes for 12 years. Um, you know, one of my big reasons for loving and supporting foster care is because foster care is hard and bad. Group homes are even worse. I managed one. I hate group homes. I hate group homes. Kids don't deserve to be in group homes. Kids deserve to be in homes. Kids deserve to be in families. Um, there's foster families out there that are horrible, horrible. I've heard the experiences. I kids in my in in my home told me their foster stories, and I believed them. And some of them were just horrible. And that's part of the reason I do believe that as a church, um, you know, if you have a heart for children, if you have a heart <coughs> for children, the importance of of being involved because there's a desperate need. And, and someone, some, those kids will be somewhere. They will be somewhere. I've been faced with it. I've actually been faced with a time when I said, we can't take this kid. And they're like, well, we have nowhere. And then they started to list what nowhere's options look like. And we said, okay, let's, let's go. We'll take them. And so uh, there's no doubt that that's totally true. It's all hard. Um, and... Uh, and um, it's, it's not an easy experience for anyone, for the kids, for the families. But that's a hard part, too. I work very closely with some families, and, and uh, we're blessed that we get to do that. Sometimes that doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a, it's, a, it's a fair concern. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, let me, allow me to pray, and, and thank you for sharing. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for adopting us into your family, for welcoming us into your family. And wherever we are, God, that you welcoming us. doesn't matter what we've done, where we've come from. You're choosing to love us. Thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, stir our hearts to know the brokenness in our communities, maybe even in our own homes. Would we seek you for help and one another? that we would be a community of light pushing back the darkness for the gospel and for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.